Welcome to Two Facet, a podcast about building digital products, hosted by Matt Mikulski, product manager, and myself, Juncal Gonzalez, product designer. Join us to listen to our conversations about product development and how each role sees it from their perspective. Let's start. Hello, listeners. This is episode number four. Um, we're super, ha super happy to be here today. Today, we are going to talk about roadmaps. And I'm Juncal, and I'm here with Matt. Um, hey, Matt. <laughs> yeah. Hi. Hello. So we're going. We're going to talk about roadmaps today, right? Um, you're an expert on this, I think. <laughs> Uh, I, I don't perceive myself as an expert, but I guess I have some, you know, feelings about them or opinions. Um, and yeah, for, for sure, I would love to cover today, like, what is a product roadmap? Um, and then I would also talk a bit about, like, example of different roadmaps you, you can build, depending on, like, a need or, or where are you in the organization. Perfect. And I also, from my side, will will talk about how I see it, like when I receive a roadmap, uh, when I need to work on things from it. So how I perceive it from, from the other side as well. And yeah, probably we can have a nice discussion today. Yeah. Okay, um, so classically, let's start from why. So why this topic? Tell me. Yeah, so I chose this topic and it's not a super sexy topic for designers, I know. <laughs> But the reason why I originally asked you this question, like what is a roadmap and how you define this, is because of the willingness to understand why are we working on a specific project instead of another one. And and let, let me explain this a bit more. So um, when you start uh, at the beginning as a designer, more like an entry level, or junior level, uh, you're super focused on learning the craft, uh, the craft of um, interaction patterns and using the design tools, uh, designing the screens, uh, probably as well uh, some user testing and you're, you get involved in some research, but everything is uh, still superficial, you're still learning. And there is always this long list of things you should be doing and you will be doing next, the so-called backlog kind of thing. And I guess at the beginning, you're super focused on learning your craft and not so much on, on why this backlog, right? Um, but as soon as you start getting deeper on, on what is being human-centered and the human-centered design, and you start, start learning more about understanding your users, you might start wondering, or at least this is what happened to me, right? And I think uh, other designers um, can recall this. You start thinking, okay, this user has a lot of problems to solve, right? So there's a lot of things I can do with my product to, to help this user. So why are we focusing on this feature, on this product, on this list of things to do instead of other ones? And I guess this comes from the roadmap. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, of course. So um, maybe let's start from like, what's a roadmap from more like a definition level. Um, so 
I will jump to periodization right away, but let's let's just you know to have it there. So like let's say the product roadmap is a plan of action for how product or solution will will evolve over time. So let's assume this is this is like a, mm -hmm. what we want to have there, and then classic roadmaps um, that you see usually are. Um, well-defined so they're like on the operational level so they're showing like a current work of a team so it's like more tasks or you know shaped um, ideas that are shown next to each other like in Jira let's say so you have like a uh, over time timeline like, like you have a timeline over which you have different blocks and different different features that the team is working on so this is like a classic roadmap um and i guess th this is the one that the people see the most often they can come in ways of backlog then they can come in ways of sprints so you can imagine you're working in scrum so then you have somehow backlog divided into next four sprints or for some reason the product person or whomever is in charge of a strategy set up like hey those are the five steps we need to do and then from them the team creates a sprint it's like a classic way that happens there um and that one is the most commonly used but it's super important on them also to show why you're working on given things then you, you can use different tools for that so you can use um tools like jira or anything else that has some visual context to that uh, and try to, you know, just give it to the team and then connect it to the right uh, milestones or uh, epics and then describe them well so the team can read what it means and then reuse that. Um, what I like to do um, is using like periodization frameworks. So working with a backlog or a list of ideas or feedbacks or anything else by prioritizing them. Um, in my case, I'm usually mm -hmm. using the ICE scoring, so it's impact, confidence, effort. So with every idea, you need to think about, hey, how how much impact can it have to, to my goals, whatever the goals are. So, and this is something that you as a product person or as a designer or anybody from like a product team can easily challenge and ask. Like, okay, so you said it's 10 in terms of an impact. Why it's 10? Like, what's the story? Why we believe it's gonna be so impactful to our plans? Then you have confidence. So confidence is a bit more structured one. So, so this shows you how many evidences you have for that idea. So, or a bet. So does you have it as a receive like a recurring feedback from customers or sorry, or maybe um, it's something that every competitor on the market has, or you already launched an MVP and you have like people screaming for, Hey, this feature doesn't work, but I'm going to shovel bucks on you. Uh, this is something you can put there. So, you know, if it's like third iteration of an idea or it's like a, a super novel idea that nobody has and you want to you know uh, build a teleportation machine so there is not much evidence that it can be mm -hmm. built so the confidence around that is super small the same is like if you are feeling good about the idea or you know it's aligned with the team or your ceo says it's a good idea it's like one in a scale of ten 
So because it's not an evidence, it, mm -hmm. it needs to still base everything on knowledge. And then the last is effort. So you know how how easy or how hard it is for for, for, for the team to produce. And then mm -hmm. you know using this kind of uh, metaphors for explaining why we are working on a given thing or we are not working on a given thing. Um, for me personally, during the career was was the easiest to to open the conversation with the team because you know um, those are tangible mm -hmm. things that you can easily categorize and, and talk about them openly. So, of course, this mm -hmm. requires some level of. I don't want to call it seniority, but some level of understanding the customer or understanding the user you're building for. Yeah. So once you understand for whom you're building, you can uh, judge how impactful it can be. Uh, so if we would roll back to the last episode with design thinking, once you're empathizing with the user, mm -hmm. you can actually you know, say, no, I believe that's not that impactful mm -hmm. and it's not mm -hmm. impacting them every day, but here is something else. Yeah. And then what this formula builds for you at the end is you multiply all of those numbers um, and then you get the score. Once you sort by the score, you basically get potentially the most impactful ideas on the top that you can produce. And, and using things like this are, is great because when you combine it, let's say with um, Lean Startup, mm -hmm. then you don't start any of the ideas with like six months of development you start with experiments mvps and, and all of this this stuff so then over time this idea bank or bed bank can actually evolve so something that was on the top after the first experiment you can validate that's not that it, it's not that impactful we're much more confident about it because we launched something mm -hmm. but it's not that impactful so we may don't want to invest more time into it and then you know yeah so yeah <laughs> go on, go on, <laughs> no 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 please if you have any comment please, no, please come you know i can yeah, talk yeah. for hours um, um <laughs> i was going to say something and now i kind of forgot so uh okay so i'll continue then no problem um so the other thing that that's worth noting about roadmaps in general, so whatever you use tasks or you use idea banks or you prioritize them, is important to know what you're showing to whom. So I do believe you can divide roadmaps into like internal roadmaps that are used for the team, um, and then usually there are some on some level of like technical tasks. You can call them to-do list, you can call them backlog, you can call them a roadmap, but you see on like, a, you know, um, thinking of us. So for our customers, uh, listeners, we work right now with Honkel in six weeks mm -hmm. development cycles that are divided into uh, four different batches of, of different time. So we see our roadmap for the next mm -hmm, six mm -hmm. weeks. Like I can build a roadmap, but the elements of it are you know, execution tasks, mm -hmm. basically. So those are like design stuff, let's build some stuff, integrate this with that one. So those are like day-to-day -day work with the team. Uh, and then this can be visualized, like we do this on to-do lists, you can do it in Jira, you can do it in plenty of other tools. Um, then the other level of a roadmap I believe that should exist is this problem-centric one or strategy level more. So you zoom out a mm. bit uh, from we are building features to why we are building those features and 
how important it can be in a longer run. So an example may be um, in our case, we are working on a software that's international, mm -hmm. but has have a heavy customizations per country. Like coming from legal perspective, mm -hmm. we need to work a bit differently in a given country. So whenever we are working and thinking about strategically, we don't think about prescription in Poland. We, we think about prescriptions in general. And then, you know, that's going to require a few steps and it's going to be six different prescriptions. But then we know and we can map like how impactful it's going to be for a whole business. Or we can think about things that we, we may build for one country and prioritize that for country, but maybe there are parts that can be reused. So if you zoom out and start thinking about them in more like, you know, abstract pieces of like, hey, how, how to build it for those six countries and how we can scale it there and try to get less detail from it i this guess this is super um, interesting then then the prioritization is also different uh -huh. yeah and the prioritization is also different and and this is kind of a roadmap you use more for talking with executives okay. let's let's call okay. let's let's call them this yeah. way so you know in, in case when you want to talk with like sales manager or sales director or whatever um, title this person gonna have it's much easier to talk with him about hey we're gonna offering this and this in those countries and those are the, the pieces mm -hmm. and this is why we want to do it the same with the marketing so it's not that important for them how the prescription works like i mean it is important at the end but at like strategy level it's not that important it's important of a fact if we're gonna have it and it's gonna be legal and it's gonna be on time so for them it's you're, 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 you are thinking more on a you know problem uh, level, not the ideas or how the solution is gonna look yeah. like. And then you have yet another type of a roadmap that's like a sales roadmap, especially in the companies like ours uh, that are heavily sales backed. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you have a sales roadmap when they are super interested in the features in time, so they don't care about problem we are solving because. You know, we work with zooming out and thinking about problems from ideas and, you know, trying to shake the market. But they hear from the doctor like, hey, I need the feature A and it's named for this for this guy. How it's going to work and stuff, they don't care. They just want to have it and say to the doctor, hey, it's going to be in a month or say it's not going to be in uh, six months. Okay. So and then you work again a bit on tasks. But you, but you communicate more those that are you that you are sure about delivery of them. So okay. Once you can start, you know, delivering in like predictable time as a team, mm -hmm. then you can start communicating with the sales team, and it's also easier for them then. And you know, the communication about the product and everything else is a bit more coherent let's say in, okay. in such cases but so we're talking of three levels of roadmap here one the strategic level level more for um the management or maybe <laughs> yeah like the higher part of the company then another one for the team and then another one for the sales but i understand they are not three different ones it's like different ways of communicating it and different uh levels of the solution Right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, exactly. And then those are forms and, you know, the rest is tools. So mm -hmm. anybody can have their own tool set of I'm I using software A and I use software B and I just run it in Excel. So, you know, everybody picks their tools. But the general idea is the same. 
Then there's also fourth one that we unfortunately don't do currently in Doc Planner, um, which is the customer's roadmap. And that one is a kind of different one. So usually you curate that one a bit more. So you carefully pick features you show on this roadmap that is like customers public available um, to hype them about these features. I mean, there are different approaches. Of course, you can just do plain roadmap of being transparent and showing everything. Um, but usually the practices, those are the more beautiful ones. So you use a bit more software and design there. Uh, and you try to show customers what's coming next to, you know, um, hype them about the next releases and you can then use them for research and, you know, all kinds of stuff that comes from customers see things before they are built. Um, wow. Yeah, this is something Okay, what you're I had some experience wow. with, but yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. no, no, what you're showing to whom, this is the, the super interesting point I just learned. Because um, as part of the product team, I'm super used to just the one, uh, the one you communicate to the to the team, and this is the one you said you use the uh, impact confidence um, effort score to to communicate, right? Which one? Which one to choose? So, from my experience, when you've been in the team communicating the the roadmap with this with this impact confidence effort uh, framework, I think this is this is super valuable because um, in the in this agile environment and especially in the digital products and if you're on a startup, uh, you work surrounded by by uncertainty, uncertainty um, because a lot of times you're, it's the first time you do something, the first time you do something with um, the technology or the first time the user is going to uh, receive that product or, or that feature. And in this kind of environments, um, the personality or the attitude that fits very well is um, people who are uh, creative and have initiative and as you said, wants to challenge the thing and want to, wants to challenge the, the status quo. So I think it's super interesting that this, how the decision is made with this scoring is well communicated um, because as part of the team, I want to know I'm contributing to an outcome and why, right? Rather than just picking a task or, or, or picking a, a ticket. And yeah, yeah, I, you know, that's, that's basically honey, honey, honey to my heart. Um, I mean, <laughs> that's something that, that I believe is crucial, um, in any product team. I know it's not the main topic, sorry for super quick off topic, but, <laughs> um, the motivation in a product team to understand why they're building should come always first. Like this is, this is the first job when creating a team is to try to create some motivation that people don't just come and do tasks, but they understand why they do this, those tasks, because then the tasks are not important. Like any tasks you will create upfront whenever you want to solve any problem will change over time. So mm -hmm. it's either you architect for future or you just discover over time. And usually discovery is just much better and easier for you to handle with the stress. So, you know, um, once the product team thinks in a way of why I am building that and understand that fully, you're gonna be much happier. And the solution as well are going to be to be better if you understand the why instead of just receiving uh, 
a detailed described task. So for like a super simple example, we are uh, working on a feature for, for printing the medical history. And if the feature to, to do is a button on the top right corner um, of the screen to print, uh, that would be more like a task rather than um, the user needs to print some documentation. And then this opens for a, for a better solution because maybe it's not a button or it's an action that can be placed somewhere else. You know, it opens the, the team to find a better solution and, and also promotes the customer centric mindset, right? Because you, you, you've been thinking about the impact this will have uh, probably on the user, right? Uh, so yeah, then all the team is thinking about the user, about this impact that we can have uh, in his life with this change in the, in the product. Yeah, and that's that's every time much better. I mean, there are teams that need to work on the tasks level. There are technical stuff that's like well defined, and mm-hmm. you are not reinventing the wheel. You just need to you know upgrade some stuff or refactor parts. Um, but yeah, it's it's but but even in such situations, you know, um, from technical world is like when you want to refactor stuff, you super understand what the hell you're doing and like why this is burning and why you need to do it because it's always pain like there's not many people that work want to work on the old code and make it better um so you need to understand why you're touching that especially like you know in the bigger systems that are a bit more complicated over years in this explanation of the why um the storytelling is super powerful i can i can i can tell as the receiver in a way of the message so i can tell the difference when there's a good storytelling communicating this uh decision of the impact so you tell the story of the why so yeah just just (laughs) something i wanted to say yeah good yeah and I was saying a bit about roadmaps, uh, like maybe not roadmaps, but but I mentioned a bit refactoring and like let's call all of this technical depth. Um, so maybe we could move on. I, I know there there is a topic on our list about roadmaps and legacy. Yeah. So for uh, from my experience as a designer, when you work in agile, you unfortunately produce some UX legacy always because you move super fast and and then as a designer you're aware of all this legacy you've created and that you are create you are creating and you want to fix it you want the smoothest experience uh, for the user um, but then which one to fix right because you're generating it uh, on different parts of the product on different areas and and design, it's not standalone, separated from the business, from the strategy and everything. So you might be seeing a screen that you don't like because um, it was badly designed or it was not super good design at the moment. Um, and you want to fix it, but maybe if you don't connect that into the strategy, into the roadmap, you are in the risk of uh, putting effort and putting your work into a screen that may be soon deprecated because maybe it doesn't have an impact on the user. It doesn't have much value in this moment with what what the the product is offering. So yeah, from my perspective, I would say it's super uh, useful for the designer to be aware of the roadmap uh, for both, uh, for two things. So one, if, if he's looking to, um, 
to remove UX legacy and do a redesign and, and improve some areas of the product. Um, if he does it um, connected with the, with the roadmap, which is what we are doing now and what we are going to do soon, it will have a bigger impact on the product and on the user for sure, because this is like where we are, are going as a, as a business and as a product to have the bigger impact. Um, that's that on one side. And then on the other side um, as well, it's a super good opportunity to, when you are adding a feature on a screen, to take the opportunity to then remove the UX legacy on that screen. So. So if you're following the roadmap, um, yeah, <laughs> you can take the opportunity of um, of uh, touching the screens. Uh, we are touching on the on the roadmap to have a bigger impact on on the redesigns you do. One more tip I would give to anybody that wants to advocate for any of this kind of a change. So, for example, you know, technical debt or some UX legacy and or redesign. Those projects are always hard to sell to anybody and even harder to measure and, and mm -hmm. all of those things. So um, let's think about it as a debt. So when you take like a loan from a bank, there's two ways of, of paying it up. So you can pay in installments like every month and pay all of the interest to the bank and things like this. So or you can pay a bit more every month and maybe pay it out a bit faster um, and then pay a little more less interests and it's going to be a bit less painful in the longer run for you. So thinking about uh, tasks or strategy or roadmaps, uh, you may either, you know, keep it a rating over things and I don't believe this brings any, so let's say you have a lot of screens that are not that coherent. So you don't have any design system, any UI kit in place and anything like this. You may work on all of them, trying iterating them from time to time. And then, hey, one day I will replace this screen and then another screen gonna be replaced. <laughs> and it's gonna drive you to something. Um, but I don't, but I believe that as with loans, you're going to pay a lot of interest along the way and it's not going to be that smooth. So what I like to pr promote mm -hmm. a lot is trying to do a bit more pain than the regular, um, regular installment would be. So if we are only about, Hey, let's just change checkboxes. Let, let's think why we are changing them. Like in which places they're existing mm -hmm. and how this influence like a user engagement or usage of a platform. So, once you think that level, you, you can think about things like, um, in our case, a lot of secret uh, users are secretaries. So they work having a phone on their ear, a patient in front of them, and then they are clicking something in your software. So it's like one and a half hand with super destructive experience. So if you produce them a long form, any redesign of that long form is a well welcomed thing. I mean, you need to test it mm -hmm. and size if this makes any sense, of course. But you know, it, then 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 you're not talking about let's check change a form somewhere because they're not that pretty. You're thinking about, hey, how can we can improve like a general experience of the user or the engagement over the platform. Similar with technical stuff. So mm -hmm. performance hits everybody on B2B products. Like if you have performance problem, it's a problem and you need to be able to face it and size it. And if it's not really a problem of performance, then maybe it's not that important. So trying every time to, whenever you're thinking about legacy, grouping that in a bigger use case or, mm -hmm. or trying to connect it back to 
to user experience. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> Which is, uh, but but all of those measurements like, you know, NPS, CSAT, um, engagement, usage of a product, like all of this comes with, uh, are impacted by those little U UX legacy or, or technical depth things. Uh, but what usually happens is the, the teams are thinking at the solution level. So it's like, hey, we need to redesign something. <laughs> or we need to refactor that part and it's like i know that people uh, sometimes face problems with these ideas that they are not in any any time done and it's like you know uh, technical debt or ux legacy keep being there for years because nobody cares about them so my tip is once you try to connect it to why as we are talking mm -hmm. today um it's much easier to um translate to executive language um, and, and then, you know, you can actually impact the, the company goals or you can find the, the time for, for such changes. This is a super good tip. It's not easy to do, I would say, but it, it's super good at least to start being aware that the redesign or the refactor per se, just as a standalone, doesn't bring any value really if it's not connected to to, yeah, as you said, to moving the, the metrics of the business forward or to solving, solving a, a user problem that will have more impact. Uh, so, yeah. yeah. And I'm not saying about, you know, when you want to redesign, trying to find the measurement you're going to measure. That's like, uh, you will never find mm -hmm. it uh, or you will find it. And it, the, the, what I usually say to any product design redesigns is like, if you don't break the metric, it's the, the best redesign you did. <laughs> Um, so if any metric doesn't go down, it's amazing. So you changed it, it's probably smoother mm -hmm. and it's, it's great. Mm -hmm. If you try to find like a value to design change, it's not that easy most of the cases because it's impacted by 25 different things. So it's, it's a combination. Those problems are wicked as we were talking. Yes. Like they're not just this checkbox was me pissing me off. Like this happens a lot of times also like with just wrong decisions. Um, but a lot of those problems are impacted by something else. Like the problems that are shown usually in measurements of actions or stuff like this. Um, yeah. So system level thinking. Yeah. So as you were saying, <laughs> we have our list of topics and we're like connecting from, from one another. So as well as the product grows, um, and it becomes bigger and bigger. Uh, as a designer, you start, uh, you need to start having this system thinking. So start having this vision that the product uh, it's made out of different parts that connects, and probably these parts are handled by different teams, right? So everything becomes more and more complex. Um, and understanding what's going to be next, which uh, in a way the roadmap it's telling us this helps us have a vision of the system and a vision of uh, where we are going and how the solution we are working on right now uh, can fit in the, in the current product and will fit uh, in the future, in the future, <laughs> sorry. Um, so let me, let me give you a super simple example. Uh, this summer, we were, during the pandemic, we were working uh, in the video consultation tool for the for the doctor, and I remember well the roadmap at, at that time was done super fast. I I remember, 
because of the situation and but the thing is that it's a super simple example you're designing uh, the video consultation tool and you're placing the the buttons and the different parts of the of the yeah. of the video like the camera the silence maybe share screen and stuff and I remember there was this conversation like are we going to add a chat in the future or not and it was super important to know that we were going to add a chat that we decided that in the future we will do that because then the whole screen might change based on that so you need room for the chat you need room for the for the user to to interact with that so understanding what are going to be the next features that will be added in the in the near future because you don't really know like what's going to happen in two years uh, helps you create much more scalable solutions and as well helps you reduce this this ux legacy that you always have but if you at least um you know know a bit what's going to come in the future you can think of more scalable solutions that will produce less less legacy and it will help you as well um in the creation of 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 interaction patterns for your platform because um even if there is int and patterns sorry. are super important sorry pa uh, patterns are uh, super important yes yeah. <laughs> why would you say yeah i was yeah. going to say that patterns are also super important like product level so you know at some point when the company grows and the product grows and the system is really huge um you need to have some fallback mechanisms so you you think about the ideas and then you should have or it's much better when you have patterns for them let's say from easy ones like if you're showing someone reports it's like precedence so you know how reports you look in your system so it's easy to produce another reports later uh, from design perspective or like from even product perspective reports are solved problem you can throw new ones there needs to be solved from what data going to be shown and stuff like this but the solution itself is going to be similar or in our case we also have something that's like external applications right and then our own applications that are additional applications so and different people are building them in different moments from different places um, so we needed some patterns. So we know that now they have wizards and you have screens to authorize them, deauthorize them, and you, all of them are in one place. So whenever you want to build like an additional feature to our software, it's defined how the process is going to look like. So you don't need to think about how the wizards should look like because they're already designed. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. you just take the UI kit and, and you reproduce that with your data. And the, the problem you want to solve is just the application itself, not the setup process and everything else so or yeah. you know from technical side it's like you want to log in users with google for any framework on the planet there is a solution made for logging in with google <laughs> and, you know it's just five lines of code and you're done everything's good so you know patterns are amazing yeah there are patterns as you said that are like common to different applications in in the market that we all use but then there are the ones that that you generate as you said for your platform and these they are not only so you were saying it helps us like work more efficient faster you already have the solution but it's also super good for the for the user as well because he has like less cognitive load let's say because he the, the user already learned how to do something in the platform and it's gonna be the same um all the time and but for this you really need to have a super good uh, sync with with the other teams because there are like 
different roadmaps, roadmaps for each theme happening at the same time. So you need to be careful you're not creating a feature, creating a pattern, and at the same time in a different theme, someone is uh, solving a similar solution but in other part of the, of the product and it's creating a different pattern. And yeah, this is um, something that we need to take care. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, and the synchronization is important on any level. So the same like on product managers in the planner. <laughs> so for for example, what we do is we, we try to set the team's goals uh, in a way that they're taking the full responsibility for the domain. Um, not the domain technical means, but it's like uh, you need to generate patient bookings. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's your goal. So. Yes, the easy one is the online calendar, but you can do 20 other things in SaaS that also going to generate patient bookings in a, in a way. So, you know, um, that's just the goal that's that's talking about something. Um, other team we have, you know, about finances. The goal is to make managing finances easy and then how you solve it is up to the team. But what it gives us on like product managers level is whenever we talk to each other, we talk about the whole domain. So. Mm -hmm. I can talk about EHR and plans for EHR and what's going to happen then there and then we have someone talking about finances mm -hmm. while inside of them there are thousands of you know single features 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 and features <laughs> and bugs and feature requests and roadmaps and features to build um, but we are able to synchronize okay-ish on, on this level um, the the other the other approach that's uh, so shown a lot in product companies is trying to put the teams as you know the team that is like onboarding the user then engaging him mm -hmm. and then keeping engaged and then preventing the churn so this way we also can kind of protect yourself from over floating or you know to uh, to to have like two teams working on exactly the same thing yeah uh, but that's on our level. But then I guess on a solution level, when you're creating another screen or trying to create a pattern, it's even more important to find all of those people that may work on something similar to sync with them to not reinvent the wheel two, two times. So. It's yeah, it's the same, yeah. but on the on the solution level. So you said each uh, product manager has his like own domain and the designer working for that team has his own part of the product as well that he's in a way the the owner well maybe not the owner but more like the the expert so because they maybe built that part so in 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 my case it's our team it's the um, the health records of the patient we redesigned that one from from scratch and i can say i'm kind of the the owner or the more more experienced uh designer in that screen so which this means is that um whenever any other team wants to add something on that screen they normally uh, come and and ask like if this place where I'm adding makes sense for the um, for the whole uh, interaction in that part of the product or for the whole screen. And same thing for example, for instance, for the for the finances. There's another designer who is uh, like more like the owner of all the financing part. And then if I need to add something on the I don't know invoices page, I will go and and double check with with this person if I'm not like breaking any pattern or any if it makes sense and yeah we do things as well and 
and updating every day. This is super important. <laughs> yeah, but you know, in our case, I guess, but tell me if I'm wrong, <laughs> I guess it also helps a bit that we do have UIKit and a lot of our solutions are let's say similar, um, there's, you know, they solve different problems, but I guess it's, it's getting easier and easier. Yes, but navigate around. Yes, no? but we okay. have UI kit, but we don't have yet, uh, like a proper, uh, design system. And the difference is maybe, okay, we have a super good UI kit. I'm really super happy. This helps you really be super efficient, but our UI kit is made out, made out of components. So you have uh, drop downs, you have buttons, you have menus, but we don't have yet, we're working on it, but we don't have yet like a proper system, uh, design system. So how all the navigation should work or how to, you know, introduce new information on a page um we're working on that that would be like the like the next level so yeah yeah uh, on on the product we're working you know on this external roadmap so you know it's always something to work on in this kinds of companies <laughs> you know? yeah because we, we we are growing so the the bigger the product becomes the more these kind of tools you need and you need new ways of uh thinking and yeah and working together and being efficient as well and not like solving the same problem again and again and again from from scratch yeah and i guess in those cases roadmaps in all of their shapes and sizes um and ways um can help a lot i guess they they, they can be really, really useful um and i would point out again just you know think twice about what you say to whom um, not in terms of <laughs> hiding stuff, but in terms of uh, form of, of w what you're explaining. Okay. So explanation of features not, is not always the, the best way to explain some stuff. Sometimes zooming out to the problem is mm -hmm. better. So the, the part I was talking about, the different types of the roadmaps that you can produce, um, it's, it's mm -hmm. really important and helps a lot to have a more educated conversations. <laughs> and you can operate all of them. So, you know, um, even in our team, we talk a lot about tasks and like features and solutions. But from time to time, we also use the other one where it's like more problem centric and picking what's going to be next and why we are thinking on some problems and trying to validate if we even want to start working on them. So it's like, you know, you use them in the right moments with the right people in the right moment of their moment. Um, that's a great definition, isn't it? Yeah, so each role has the, the, the level of information they really need to, to do their job. Yeah. Uh, but on the, one, on the one that it's more close to the solution, the one you would share with the team or the way you would share it with the team, um, on this one, I would say that it's... Um, so one of the core skills of the designers is um, problem solving and ideation. And so I think that there's a risk when doing this uh, roadmap for the team level to give a solution too much detailed or too much solved already uh, because then you're losing the the opportunity to to uh, I don't know to make the most out of the of the team to probably find a better solution or, or a different one uh, you know yeah. I, I believe in two things so I believe in laziness um, laziness so <laughs> Yeah, yeah I, I really strongly believe that's one of the <laughs> things I believe in. And and the other thing is making other people heroes. So um, 
So the first one, laziness, is like, I'm a really lazy person, so building a roadmap for a team uh, to execute, like building tasks or sprints or anything else, is uh, I don't want to do it. Like, it's, it's easy, I really don't believe I'm the best person and I'm boring, bored when I'm doing that. And then the other comes from Reid Hoffman that believes like, if you make someone else's story like a great story and that person is going to be a hero in their story, you're going to be fine too. So it's much more, <laughs> more important about making others being heroes in their stories than, you know, making yourself a hero and creating stuff and being this wizard of us. So uh, the common practice I do for all my life is letting the team create this. Like, you know, um, in our case, it's always I'm not writing any tasks, but they always exist. Like, you know, at some moment you create a task and I use it as a short term roadmap for myself, think like what we have there, what we don't have and when more or less it's going to be delivered and it is produced by, but by you, what I produce and what I share is more this problem space and like, Hey guys, we have those problems and I like problems. I like defining problems. I like thinking about how these problems are bad and impactful people. And then, you know, you're the ones that can create a solution and everybody's there having like, you know, being a hero in their own story. Um, <laughs> and I'm, you know, as a product manager, I'm much happier seeing the product team showing the features and understanding why they're important and how it's going to change the behavior of the user and how it's going to impact the, the goal done people showing on the demos that hey we did the feature it works like this thank you very much so and you can you can see it like years ago when you had when we had demos we were much more centric about the solution and what the solution does uh, mm -hmm. when we now record loom videos and you know you're our main youtuber here um you start with why we built something and how it changes and what they can do with that and not Hey, we have a drop down and it has five options. No, it's not that important. So it's a different mindset. And then according to this mindset, you pick the roadmap. Still, it's not like a, a, a super open problem. So it's, um, I mean, in the roadmap, there should be some level of solution in a way, right? Or at least uh, in, I don't know. Boundaries. Yes, yes, boundaries. That's the, that's the, yeah, because otherwise, if it's super open, it's going to be super tricky to find the solution and you might not be in the right path. So, so it's the, the, the whole thing about boundaries is like, first we need to check uh, it's coming back a bit to problem um, and then solution and product market fit. So it's okay. First, we try to validate how big of a problem it is. So how, how much money we can get from it or how impactful it can be or, or whatever. And then what you do while, while trying to shape this definition of a problem to the team, you try to find an, a, a reality in which it's gonna be making an impact in a time you want to do it. So you need to cut parts of it. So you may want know that the, some of part of the customers wants to have something amazing. I don't know AI, but maybe that's not the most impactful group of the customers you want to talk right now with so you may want to drop that out of the code and it's just giving the team information that hey guys mm -hmm, this may mm -hmm. come in as a request mm -hmm. or a feedback or while working a solution you may hear about it but it's not important from company level let's let's not spend time there because 
for some reason we, we we believe it's not that important of course as always it, this can change so you know during the, those talks you may find out that the thing we were thinking is not important becomes mm -hmm. a, the main point and then we can pivot change it and we are agile uh, but yeah, yeah those boundaries are only for a team not to you know um, try to um, reinvent the wheel mm -hmm. or uh, do something that that's that's already done or we it's it's not important in, in, for some reason which is always up to be challenged um, by the team but but this is the, the boundaries you should be setting more like what not to do and not the things that what to do yeah when when ideating solutions uh it's super important to to have uh to have boundaries uh, even if you go to design thinking, defining the problem as well, the definition of the problem should be balanced between uh, being open enough so you can be creative, but being narrowed enough so you can actually find a solution to it, right? So imagine you, you have the problem definition of how would you change the internet? I mean, it's like... <laughs> how do you even yeah. start solving that you know so you need to be a bit more constrained really so in uh, in basecap the, in the book called shape up um they say it needs to be uh you need to be sure that there is a some solution w within the reality mm -hmm. um so so you know you're like okay so if they build anything around this it's gonna solve problems like the the boundaries are close enough that, that whatever gonna be built solves something and it's worth solving because you know you're talking about bets and it's a lot of time and we should be spending time on things that make sense and not so the, the uh, one other thing I, I wanted to mention with with I which I find um, I don't know interesting and, and it's uh, also something we need to to pay attention to as designers so as we said uh when you have a bigger product you might have different teams focusing on different um areas of the of the product and each of the team has his own roadmap and each uh product manager has his own like problems that they are solving which uh, translate in features they are adding and so the, the thing that happens sometimes is that whenever you're releasing a feature you feel like this is the most impor important feature right right now because it's the one i'm delivering it's it's new for the user and it's solving the problem and you're adding that to the to the screen and you want it to be super prominent but then another team comes with the next one and they want as well to be super prominent because it's now the new thing the very important problem they are solving and it can continue like that and it's a, a risk that you will um, you will lose the hierarchy of the of the page, and you will lose the, the focus of the of the jobs that the the user wants to do. Like which one is the main one he came to the page to do? Which one is the secondary? Which one is uh, maybe less important? So as a designer, it's super important to you know to be aware of all these features that are being added and what he's been doing in your team and, and in other ones and don't lose the focus on uh, the jobs to be done so the jobs that the, the user came to the screen to do uh, yeah because when you're releasing new features you're always super excited and you always think that's the most important thing and you really want the user to use it next but maybe it's not like the main thing for that part of the of the product <laughs> yeah and it's, it's, it's also important for like a 
strategy level or when you're thinking about planning stuff for people um these kinds of things are, are also important because is uh, so w when you're adding those features it's always cool to add all of those features and the and the screen gonna grow and you're gonna have more rich feature set but at some point a lot of your feature requests or problems of your users may come from overcomplication of a system so it's always healthy to just retroactively think about the actions the users do like even from product perspective like okay so what the hell we have and why do they use that because at some moment when you have enough features mm -hmm. um, there may be opportunities so sometimes maybe a redesign of three features combined may bring, bring much more value because maybe it's just like you know one job that now lives in three screens but you didn't have those three screens earlier, so you didn't knew that this is like a one job that now can be like redesigned or retold. Re so it's always worth looking back and then checking like what the users really do there. Because one thing is the redesigns, but you know automations, things like this. Mm -hmm. So once you have those features, I really like start removing it. So okay, you've built everything, so now think about how you can make the screen blank and just. Uh, so it's like I would like to learn German, but I will spend zero hours on learning it <laughs> And then once you can bring me a solution, that's a perfect solution and, and this is what for what we are going for right? So we want to build the perfect solution. So even in terms of features, I, I always encourage everybody to sometimes just look back and See if you don't have enough, you know uh, blocks now to create something even more impactful than before in cases of companies like ours, where we have like tons of products right now and you know, 2000 people working. So, so that's like enough um, creativity to reinvent stuff from time to time. Yeah, I really like what you said about removing things because as well uh, in design, there's this tip for, well, I don't know, for good design in a way, which is try to remove as much as you can in the screen until you cannot remove anything else. And then, yeah, to simplify, you know. Yeah, works usually, or at least it's a super good exercise of <laughs> thinking about yes. a speed of a user, what's going on, what are the interactions. Um, mm. So, do we have any more topics for today? No, today we talked a lot. I'm checking the time now and it's like, wow, this is going to be a super long one. So, <laughs> but yeah. I think valuable one. Uh, I liked it a lot. Uh, maybe let's sum up a bit. So, roadmaps should show you a vision and direction for like a short-term goals of a team. Uh, we talked that you can produce different kinds of roadmaps. So the roadmap for like internal team looks a bit different than the one you should show to executives and then sales teams may, you know, expect something else. Um, and uh, the, the, the main tip from the product guy today is really think about um, the form of the information you're showing um, connected to the person. So, so, so think about the context that the person is working on and, and use the right one when showing the roadmap to show the, 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 the right value for the audience. Exactly. And you also explained uh, the, the tool you use for measuring the, well, to, for, for prioritizing. Yeah. So the impact, confidence, um, effort that you use, effort, impact, confidence, effort, the I scoring. Yeah. To communicate to the team and to prioritize the, the backlog. Yeah. 
uh, one day we can do another uh, another episode about prioritization frameworks there's plenty of them it's an interesting topic there's a lot of a lot of different things there so yeah yeah and then Absolutely. are there any tips you would leave for our design um, listeners about today yes episode? so uh, <laughs> if you don't know why you're working on on a on a on a feature or on a project instead of another one try and look for for that information so be super super aware of this because that's a uh, core to find super good solution for for your user yeah <laughs> Okay, so uh, thank you very much for today's episode. Yeah, thank you. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you want to continue the conversation and challenge our thoughts, mention us on Twitter. We are at Two Facet Podcast. If you have any questions you would like us to answer in the next episodes, send us an email to Two Facet podcast at gmail.com and if this content was useful for you and you would like to support our work there is a few simple things you can do share it with anyone you think may benefit from this content subscribe or follow the podcast in the platform where you are listening now and if you are on apple podcast a rating and a review will be much appreciated thank you for listening and until next time